I'll be reading from Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 through 2. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. And as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off your rings of gold that are in your ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. Good morning. It is good to see you here this morning. We are always thankful for your presence and uh, thankful to be here and thankful to be, be with you this morning. Hope you can stay with us all day. Exodus 32, if you have your Bibles, we're going to spend some time here in this chapter and the next two chapters talking about <clears throat> what to do when you don't know what to do. Life with God and life without God should be two different lives lived. And sometimes God's own people live as if they don't have God in their lives. Both will come upon difficult times. Both will come into situations that seem overwhelming. Uh, both will likely reach points where they, quite honestly, don't know what to do in this situation. And the responses to that, well, they'll be different. If you have God and you walk with him, you live with him, you might come to that situation, but the way you will behave in it is different than someone without God. I don't think we talk enough about the fact that if you don't have God in your life, then you don't have scripture in your life. If you don't have scripture in your life, well, then you don't have God's wisdom to guide and direct your life, which is precisely what he says it's there for. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, 104, and 105, through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What do you do when you come to a situation and you don't know what to do? As, um, is, as is common in my mind, that's not what we'll talk about first. So what we first need to talk about is what not to do. Before we decide what we should do, let's talk about what not to do. Don't do these things. Number one, if you have your Bibles there and you're in Exodus 32, don't do what they did. Number one, don't act out of ignorance. By their own admission, they say, we don't know. Exodus 32 and verse number one, Moses delayed coming down from the mountain. The people assembled about Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods, for as for this Moses, we don't know what's become of him. Now, you should bear in mind, Moses is on the mount getting the law from them or for them because they were afraid to hear the voice of God continually. That's back in Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 to 21. But here they say, we don't know. Okay, so you don't know. That means you are ignorant then. If you're ignorant, don't start making decisions out of ignorance. When you don't know, don't make rash decisions then. If you don't know what to do, then don't do what you don't know. Don't speak out of ignorance. You know, people often start talking out of ignorance, and they talk a lot. 
And by their own admission, they don't know. Why not talk out of ignorance? Well, because words are powerful. The proverb writer says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. So here I am ignorant, and I'm going to start talking. What I may not realize is my speech is what leads to my actions. Paul talks about our thinking in the book of Philippians in chapter 4, and it works kind of like that. We think, and then we speak, and then we do. That's the way it works. And so if I don't know and I admit my own ignorance and now I start talking out of my ignorance, it won't be long before I start acting out of this ignorance. Our words are going to move us to action. It'll only make sense to us. In fact, it can't work much any other way. You recall when Jacob saw the coat dipped in blood? He didn't know it was dipped in blood. And so he said, it's my son's coat. And then Jacob added these words. He was so sure. He said, without a doubt. Without a doubt, Joseph is rent into pieces. Was he? Well, he absolutely wasn't. How many times have you heard people talk out of ignorance and then they're certain about the ignorance they're talking out of? It has to be this way. Really? You just said three seconds ago you didn't know. And now you're saying it's got to be this way. But then not only will it move you, here's the problem, you will move other people. Somebody will be influenced because you said something, because you thought something and acted out something. And so they took this to Aaron. We don't know what's become of Moses, so what should we do? Since we don't know, let's make us gods. Well, who's involved? Whole nation now. Everybody's involved. You remember in the book of Joshua, not Joshua, Numbers 13 and 14, where the spies go into the land? You remember that 10 came back, and they said, we can't do it. And what did their words do? It moved the entire nation. And what was the conclusion? Let's kill Moses, and let's make us a captain, and let's go back to Egypt. Those words didn't just move the people who mouthed them. They moved other people. And what were they? Born out of ignorance? How did Jesus get to the cross? Well, the Pharisees and the Jews envied him. What did they do? They then moved the crowd to shout, crucify him, crucify him, and let's release Barabbas, a murderer and a seditionist, and let's release... And what did the mob do? What did the crowd... They followed along. Here's why you shouldn't do this among those reasons, is that God hears what you say. God is in heaven, Solomon would say, and we are on earth, and therefore let your words be few. But when we talk out of ignorance and act out of ignorance and move other people out of ignorance, our words then will, Jesus says in Matthew 12, 36 and 37, by your words you will be condemned, and by your words you will be justified. How important are your words? They're exceedingly important. And when you don't know what to do, maybe this is not the best time to start talking about all you know when you just said you don't know. Number two, what shouldn't you do? Don't seek pleasure to satisfy spiritual needs. Ignorance often leads to bad decisions. What did they decide? Make us a god. Make us gods to go before us. But once you cast off the God of heaven, your morality does not soon follow. It, it goes along with it. You cast off God, you cast off his restraints. No idol has ever prevented anybody from being immoral because they can't. 
What happened in this context? Well, if you were to read what happened down in chapter 32, verses 17 to 19, what happened after we made the gods? Look at verse 17. Now, when Joshua heard the sound of the people, they shouted. He said to Moses, there is sound of war in the camp. Moses said, it's not the sound of the cry of trumpet that I hear, nor is the sound of the cry of defeat, but it's the sound of singing. What were they doing for that? You'd have to go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 7. The people sat down to eat and rose up to play. What Paul is describing is immorality in the camp. That's what's happening. It often happens this way. People come in the situation, they don't know what to do, and pretty soon they try to do something to make themselves feel good in the space where they are struggling. Typically, that's not including God. Number three, don't substitute the Lord, verses 4 to 6. That ignorance led to idolatry. Someone has well said, idolatry is using that which should be worshipped and worshipping that which should be used. No one should worship a God that they can make. If you can make the God, you're more powerful than the God. If you can make the God, you know more than the God. For a very good discussion on idolatry and Jehovah, you'll want to read Psalm 135. The psalmist describes in the first 14 verses of that psalm, he describes Jehovah. And he talks about all that God has done for Israel and what he's provided and how he's cared and what he has done for them and deliverance and on and on and on he goes. And then he gets to verse 14 to the end of the chapter and he says, but the gods of the heathens are not so. They have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. Why not? Well, it's just an idol. It's just a piece of wood. It's just a piece of stone. Somebody shaped it and formed it. Has an ear on the, high, on the side, but it can't hear anything. Has eyes. They put them in there, can't see anything. Nothing like Jehovah. Such is the case of idolatry. Those are things that you should not do. So then what should you do? What do you do when you don't know what to do? In this same text, Moses reacted very differently God's reaction to the children of Israel and their idolatry was swift, and it was going to be very severe. And what did Moses do? He prayed to God. What should you do when you don't know what to do? This would be a very good time to pray. Pray to God for yourself. Pray to God for his people. Moses did. In verse number 11, Moses entreated the Lord his God and said, Oh God, oh Lord, why does your anger burn against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with mighty hands? Why should the Egyptians speak, saying, With evil intent you brought them out to kill them in the mountains and destroy them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and change your mind about doing harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. This is not the last time Moses will stand between God and Israel and plead for them. He does it over and over and over again. What do you do? You're in a situation you don't know what to do. Pray. What a time to pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for God's mercy and grace, forgiveness, understanding. Pray for strength and for wisdom and faith. Pray for the church, for the future, for light, for evangelism. In fact, Jesus frequently taught men to pray. The Bible says pray without ceasing. It says in everything give thanks. Sometimes when people get in a difficult situation, they don't know what to do, they lose sight of being thankful. Well, what do you mean be thankful in a difficult situation? Number one, you're still here, aren't you? There's no reason to give thanks. You're still here, but number two, 
You know what you should do is give thanks as you. You, do, you wouldn't wish it on somebody else, would you? You wouldn't say, boy, I wish this was so-and-so and so-and-so. They deserve this, not me. You know, this situation might very well be tailor-fitted for you. You might be just the person for the job. In fact, the way you handle it may very well influence other people for good. Aren't you glad it's you? Here is a person in the Lord able to deal with it, able to process it, able to use it in a way that those without the Lord would say, boy, I don't know what I would have done if I was that situation, but look at the way they handle it. Now, you look at me this morning like I'm making that up. Look at Philippians chapter 1. I have not heard any volunteers asking for it, so I'm not going to give it to you. I can't give it to you anyway, but I said, be thankful as you. And people said, I wish I would. <laughs> one, two, three, not it. <laughs> Philippians chapter 1, read verse 12 beginning. Paul says, now, now before you read that, you should know this man was just preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's all he was doing. He was just sharing the good news, and it bothered somebody. And that somebody stirred up a crowd, and pretty soon he was arrested. And not only arrested, he was beaten. Not only beaten, thrust into jail. And now he's inside of that place, in that dynamic, based on those circumstances, and this is what he writes. Now, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances—whose circumstances, Paul? My circumstances— what about your circumstances, Paul? They've turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. So that my imprisonment, not somebody else's, my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorium Guard and to everyone else. Those people without Jesus? Absolutely. They know me, and they know why I'm in here. But keep reading. Paul says, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my—there it is again, not somebody else's—because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the Word of God without fear. In everything, give thanks. We don't have to just cry and break down and lose it because the, the circumstances is difficult. We were made for that. For even here unto where you're called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that you should follow in his steps. Who did no wrong, neither was God found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he was threatened, he, he threatened not, but he committed himself to him that judges righteously. Peter opens that section by saying, for here unto were you called to do what? Be like Jesus. When? Times are difficult. When, when times are hard. You're right for the situation. What a time to thank God. But not only that, thank God for the opportunity to grow. When do you grow? When you face challenge. Times are hard, difficult circumstances. James chapter 1, my brethren, count it all joy. When? When you fall into diverse trials, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh endurance. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking or wanting in nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. What a time to pray. What a time to be thankful. Do that. Next, choose the Lord's side. Verse 25 and verse 26, this is that section of Scripture where those wonderful words are said by Moses. Now, when Moses saw 
that the people were out of control. For Aaron had led them out of control to be a derision among their enemies. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, King James, who is on the Lord's side, let him come to me. All the sons of Levi gathered together to him. Align yourself with God. I don't know what to do. This situation is so difficult, so hard. Choose God's side. This would be a great time to turn to the Word of God for your guidance. James would say that we should look into the perfect law of liberty. Look into the Word deeply. Investigate the Word. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse number 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Don't act out of ignorance. Don't trust yourself. No, trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your—in all your ways, acknowledge him when times are good. Yes, when times are bad. Yes, when times are, are, are just placid. Yes, every time, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Your steps directed by God. What a time to align yourself with God. Have your Bibles. Look at Proverbs chapter 2, and please, this is one of those passages, again, it's just— it's worth memorizing. I, we could say that about the entirety of the Bible. But this one just stands out. You, you, you should hold on to this one. The father does so often in this book, he calls his son seemingly to his side to talk to him and to instruct him and to give him wisdom and to encourage him to listen and to follow. And this time he talks about wisdom itself. Read with me beginning in verse number one. He says, my son, if you will receive my words as treasure, my commandments within you, make up your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry out for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Now, we are not talking about it this morning, but what the writer just says there is you have to want crave, desire, and see the benefit in God's Word. That's what he's saying. He says, treasure it. He says, make your ear attentive. He says, cry for discernment and seek understanding and lift up your voice and seek for her as silver. That's all action on our part. And do all of those things. And if you do that, notice verse number six. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. I don't know what to do here. I know somebody that does. I know someone who knows everything that can be known. I know someone who can guide you and instruct you and give you some wisdom and some understanding. Where would I get it? You know, we might think of it differently if we could, in our imaginations, go up to the, 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 up to the house of God, sit down at the table, and then ask God, I'm thinking about this, what do you think? Somehow it seems different, as if a personal interaction with him would be different. He'd say something, he wouldn't say anything different. Oh, the Lord has spoken. The Lord gives wisdom. Out of his mouth come understanding. God has spoken. You have his mind revealed. You have his word. You're in a situation you don't know what to do. What a time to align yourself with God. 
Does God approve of the action you're about to take? Does God enjoin it? Does God endorse it? Does it fit in harmony with the character of Christ, the revelation of the Spirit? Is it part of what God would do if he, he gives the wisdom? Out of his mouth comes understanding. If you were to keep reading, he'll just keep saying that God does this. In fact, ultimately, you're going to have to make a choice. I don't guess that people appreciate that, that in the end, you're going to do something. What Moses says here is, choose God's side. There are only two sides. It's God's side or it's not God's side. And Jesus said, he that is not with me is against me. This would be also a wonderful time to examine yourself. How is your walk with God? This would be a great time to do that. I've come to this situation. Let me check me. Let me see. One of the things that Israel rarely did was be self-respective and introspective. They rarely did that. In fact, they were often selfish and self-centered. They were often all about themselves. They murmured, they complained, they did everything they wanted to, and then when a hardship came, well, they just broke down. Even here, they began, not with God, they began with, we don't know what's become of Moses. What should we do? Let's make us some gods. Well, this would be a great time to examine yourself and see Maybe this situation is what it is expressly because you haven't been walking with God. Brings us to the next point. Repent if necessary. It might be. In Exodus chapter 33, in verse number 4, beginning, when the people heard this, now that this, we've jumped, jumped from about verse 25 and 26 where Moses prayed for them, and then if you were to keep reading, God talked about his judgment, and it, it's going to be meted out. But then in verse number 4 of chapter 33, the people heard this sad word, and they went into mourning, and none of them put on their ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the sons of Israel, you are an obstinate people. Should I go up in your midst for one moment? I would destroy you. Now, therefore, put off your ornaments from you that I may know what I shall do with you. Moses gathered Israel. They stripped themselves their ornaments from Mount Horeb. And they pitched, and you keep continue to reading, and they will then renew their passion for God. Moses went up to take the pitch, the tent, pitched outside the camp of goodness on the camp, called the tent of meeting. Everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Now, when Moses goes out, verse number eight, the people then stand. They're showing some regard for God. They sought the Lord. They respected the presence of God. Verse 9 and verse 10, whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend, stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak to Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship. Well, they weren't doing this before. They're doing it now. It could be the case that in your self-examination, you might realize there's some things I need to work on myself. In fact, it might be the case that the reason I'm in this situation not knowing what to do is because I've been doing some things I shouldn't have been doing that got me here. And now I don't know what to do because I'm a long way down the road. It could be that. Maybe I stopped seeking God's wisdom. Maybe I started trusting in myself. Maybe I've strayed away from God's wisdom and his provisions and his church and his people. And maybe that's why I'm here. It might be the case. And in my self-examination, I come to realize I need to make some changes. That's what I need to do. Finally, this. Get to know God. I say the word finally to make you smile. 
He can preach a short sermon if he tries real hard. It could be done. It could be done. This would be a great time to get to know your father. There are a lot of people who are in a relationship with God, but that relationship is strained. They really just don't know him. And they are troubled very often by the relationship. They're trying. They really are. They're sincere. They're committed. But they feel like they fail more than they succeed. And despite their best efforts, they never feel like they're doing enough, good enough, long enough. They just struggle in the relationship. This would be a great time then to get to know your Heavenly Father. It's what Moses sought. Here in Exodus 33, after all of these events, and there were more we could have talked about, notice verse number 12. Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said that I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. And that's true. In fact, it'll be said of Moses that he spoke face to face with God as, as, as one speaks to a friend. That's how close God and Moses are. Moses says, now therefore I pray you, if I found favor in your sight, let me know your ways. Note the next phrase, that I may know you. I don't doubt for one second that there are so many people standing in the exact shoes of Moses. I want to know God. I don't know, want to know what somebody tells me about God. I, I don't want to know what somebody tells me they learned about God and they experienced about God and they did. I want to know him for myself. And friends, you can. Moses' request is going to be granted in this and the next chapter. And God will make arrangements with Moses to tell him who he is. Moses has seen God's power on great display. And for those of you who are reading the Bible constantly, this would be a good place to appreciate that revelation unfolds a little bit at a time, and you can never know more than what's been revealed to you or behind you. Not even if you're Moses. You would think by the time we're in Exodus 33, if anybody knew God, it would be Moses. After all, didn't they meet at the burning bush? That's a good expression for it. They met at the burning bush. God introduced himself to Moses. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. What did Moses begin to see? Almost immediately, Moses saw manifestations and demonstrations of God's power. The bush is burning but not consumed. How is that possible? Fire consumes things, but not this bush. The bush is not simply not consumed or unconsumed. The bush has a voice. You ever talk to a bush? I know some of you horticulturists out there may very well say yes to that. So let me ask another question. Bush ever talk back? <laughs> this one did. Moses has seen power, demonstrations. His hand will be clean and it will go into his bosom and come back out leprous and come back out clean. A, a rod that he has in his hand will go from being a rod to being a serpent and then back to a rod. Who does that? Who can do that? There'll be water that's turned to blood and that's all before the plagues. 
Then there are the plagues, and then there's the mountain. There's the sea parted, the mountain on fire from the thunderings and the lightnings. Moses has seen that, and yet, who are you? Because power alone doesn't tell you who wields the power. And what's his character like? That is what Moses wants to know. And that can't simply come from demonstration, has to come from revelation. And so God will say to Moses, I will tell you. Notice, if you go to the end of this chapter, go slow, first read verse 18. First read verse 17. First read verse 16. No, 17, I'm serious. Sorry. The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. And what you'll read the rest of the chapter is God saying, I will show you. I will hide you in the cleft of the rock. I will pass by before you, and I will proclaim my name. And he does. Beginning in verse number 5 of chapter 34. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate or merciful, gracious, long-suffering and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity and transgression and sin and yet will by no means clear the guilty, keeping the iniquity upon the children, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the children's children to the third and fourth generation. In verse number eight, the Bible says, Moses made haste and worshiped. Moses, out of this very difficult situation, left this dynamic knowing God. Friends, you should ask yourself, is that the God you know? Is that the God you serve? that self-description of God. Because when you come to circumstances and certain difficulties and situations that you may not know, he does. And so trust him and live for him and walk with him. God is able and should give you peace, comfort your heart, and keep your faith as you go through the challenges of life. Life can be challenging. I don't have to tell you that can feel like you're sometimes wandering in the wilderness. Without God, you are. You will continually come to situations, challenges, difficulties. Israel did. And every time they came to one, it was God who met it. And there was water, and there was food, and there was bread. But what if you didn't have God? The nations around them didn't. And then there'll be moral issues and people's actions and spiritual issues. And what do you do about sin? You need God. Sometimes you can feel like you don't know what to do. Well, don't speak or act out of ignorance. Don't substitute God for idols. Don't seek physical things to satisfy spiritual needs. But by all means, do pray to God. Choose God's side. Repent if necessary and get to know him. Friends, if you'll do that, there won't be situations where you can't handle and God can't see you through. You're not a Christian this morning. We invite you to become one. Jesus invites you to become one. Our Lord would say, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, 
and you shall find rest unto your souls. Our invitation to you is not to come join our church. It's not. Our invitation to you is not to leave your denomination and be a part of our denomination. We think we might be a little closer. That's not it at all. Our invitation to you is the Lord's invitation to you to come to Jesus, to obey his gospel, and to allow him to add you to his body, which is his church. And friends, that's what you need to do in your life. How do you do that? You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You repent, change your heart, change your mind, confess the name of Jesus, and be immersed in water, buried with him in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins. And God, through Jesus, will wash away your sins, add you to his body, allow you to walk a new life, a new path with God. And friends, if you've never done that, you need to. But if you have, and sometimes God's own children began to drift away from him. And sometimes we began to lose our trust and confidence in him and put it in ourselves. And if that's the case, then you need to repent and come home. Commit your life wholly to God as he's committed his, his, his son to you. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.